you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It is the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. We're going to be talking all things content and digital marketing today, and I have a very esteemed guest. The New York Times calls him the web marketing guru, but what I call him is the author of one of the finest books, I think, out there marketing-wise. It's Marcus Sheridan. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Robin, it's going to be a great day, man. Excited to have a chat. Absolutely. And, and the book, in my excitement there, I forgot to mention it, is uh, They Ask You Answer. Obviously, we're going to be hearing all about that during today's episode. But I want to dive straight in because um, in, in the time that both you and I, Marcus, have been in business, which is you know a couple of decades, probably was, we're close to 50 years, I bet, between the two of us. There's a lot which has changed, hasn't there, in internet marketing. So I want to dive straight in. And I know this is a very broad, sort of open-ended um, question. Hopefully, you'll be able to dissect it for us. But What's new? What's happening in content marketing and digital marketing at the moment that all of our listeners should know about? You know, I think one of the biggest trends right now that everybody should be paying attention to, they're not, is what would be the seller-free and self-service trend. And what I mean by that is this, there's a few stats that have come out recently. Gartner did a study, says that uh, 33% of buyers would prefer to have a seller-free sales experience. Should chew on that one for a second. So in other words, 33% of buyers say that if I had a choice, I'd rather just do this whole thing by myself instead of being forced to talk to a salesperson. And for millennials, that's 44%, that number. Wow. And of course, it's only gone up. So the question is, what are we doing as marketers, be it content marketers, digital marketers, et cetera, with our business so as to replicate our sales process, what we traditionally have done in a face-to-face or a, a quote, person-to-person method? What are we doing to allow more of that to happen on our website? And let me give you a really, really quick example. Okay, Robin, is that okay with you? I'll go for it. Sometimes yeah, it's hard do. for people to understand. And so any question that traditionally they would have to ask a, quote, salesperson to get an answer to, could you address it on your site? So for example... I'm a pool guy, right? That's where I started. That's part of my story. We'll probably mention that later. But one of the questions that people will come to me and ask is, okay, so what is the best type of pool for me? Should I get an in-ground fiberglass pool, concrete pool, or vinyl liner pool? Now, my company only sells fiberglass, but these are three main choices that people have. So this is something that we used to talk about in the home when we were when they invited us to their house. We talked about the pros of fiberglass, how it compared to the other ones. But today, if you go on the website, what you could find is a tool that honestly and transparently allows you to essentially receive an assessment as to which type of pool best fits your needs. And here's what's great about it, Robin. It's not biased. So in other words, there's a series of questions that are asked, same questions I would have asked you back in the day when I was just a pool guy talking to you in your home, series of questions that you would answer. And based on your input, we output an answer, a recommendation. In this case, 
from what you've said, it appears that a concrete pool would be your best option. It appears that a fiberglass pool would be your best option. That's an example of replicating the sales process without them being forced to talk to a human. And this is popping up more and more. And this trend is something that everyone should be paying attention to right now, Robin, but they're not. Absolutely. And one of the first things which springs to mind is that you have to, in order to be able to um, almost put an artificial intelligence, like, you know, an AI type platform in place to be able to ask those questions and get the, draw the answers out of people, you've got to really understand who you're, you're talking to, who your audience is. So I think this is something which a lot of people really struggle with is niching down and actually really, you know, you know, really deeply understanding what their audience needs. Where would be a good place to start in that respect? Well, you know, what's interesting to me about this is I think sometimes this subject of getting to know your audience is actually, they, we make it much too complicated than what it is. And the reason why I say that is because if you actually talk with your customers and obsessively listen to what they're saying, it gets pretty easy to know your audience, their questions, their worries, their fears, their issues, etc. That's the key. That's where all the magic is. I mean, if you want to stand out from your competitors, that's where it starts. Sometimes marketers come to me and say, I just don't know the questions my audience is asking. And I'm like, when was the last time you spent a full day with anybody that's in sales? Because if you spend a day selling, you should know your audience. And so that's where it starts. The other place is this, though. Robin, you and I have evolved our behavior online. In other words, each one of us is, is shifting more and more as time goes in terms of what we expect online, what we want to experience when we go to a website, what we want to read, how we want to feel, the type of information we want to see, how it should be presented to us. We know these things inherently because we're human. And so if we just hyperanalyze what we ourselves desire when we're on a website, when we're going through the buying process, it's really pretty easy to say, hey, guess what? My customers would want that too because your customers are just like you because they're also human and they have those same human psychological needs that you have. 100%. And I, why, I mean, I think I know the answer to this. Why do you think people don't go into that, that depth of detail? I don't know. It's we overcomplicate. We, we truly over, his classic case, all right? We have these things called B2B and B2C, right? Before I got into the world of marketing and started, you know, speaking on stages and all this stuff, I didn't know what the acronym B to B. I owned a pool company, had lots of employees for 10 years. I had never heard the phrase B to B in my life. Why do we say these things? Well, B to B selling, selling process is unique. It is uh, more, way more decision makers. And it's all these, it's like, okay, I own an agency today and it's got a lot of employees and I sell to a lot of clients. It's a straight B to B service-based business. At its core, it ain't no different than selling swimming pools. We overcomplicate stuff. Marketers are the worst at this. This is why, still to this day, Robin, the number one email I get 
from readers and listeners to my stuff isn't from business owners saying, hey, I need more traffic, leads, and sales. That's the second most common email I get. The first most common email I get is from marketers who are frustrated because they catch the vision, but the rest of their team doesn't. And they're like, if I can't make headway, I'm going to leave this organization. I'm going to leave this company because they just, they're just not getting it. One of the reasons why this happens too often is because marketers speak like marketers. If you want to win over your, the rest of the organization, you have to learn to speak leadership and sales. That's who you need to speak like. The reason why they asked you to answer the book was so successful and continues to be incredibly successful is because I didn't write it for marketers, even though marketers love it. I wrote it for the hard-headed CEO that doesn't want to buy in or for that sales manager that's not reading between the lines and seeing, oh my goodness, this is how the world of sales and how my buyer has changed today. And because I wrote it that way and didn't try to sound smart and was only looking to have communion with my audience, that's what made it successful. It's it's really funny, actually, what you talk about the emails there, because like one of my biggest frustrations is when I put myself out there as a business coach is those those that inbound marketing where it's like, hey, I can generate you five to 10 leads a week. And it's like, I've got a big target on my back. And it's like, People don't want to know about, I, I had a massive rant in, in this Facebook group where we're going live in at the moment about some um, click funnels and all this automated whizzy shiny stuff that seems to be absolutely surrounding every business startup at the moment. And we can't really get away from it. Like you're never just one funnel away. If it was that simple, all of these businesses would have like so much success. We'd all be multimillionaires. And I think it's very misleading for a lot of business owners. So it's not just the language, but it's also the people who, the leadership, the people who are actually putting that message out there. And I think one of the things which I um, I took from your talk a couple of years ago and also from reading the book was actually the, just the principle of like going back to first principles of marketing, marketing of keeping it simple and, and speaking your customer's language. Well, to that, best example in the book, okay? And this is one thing that those that have read the Ask You Answer, they love this section, which is called the big five. The big five are the five subjects that every buyer, B2B, B2C, doesn't matter, service product, big, small, local, national, they want to know, they want to understand while they're engaging or while they're starting the buying process, before they engage a company, they want to understand five subjects. Here's the five subjects. Buyers want to understand cost, price, rates, etc. Okay, that's number one, cost, price. Number two, they want to understand what are the negatives? What are the problems with that particular product service? How could this blow up in my face? So number two is problems. Number three, as buyers, we love to compare. We want to compare what we're looking at versus the other options that we have, okay? Number four, we love reviews, okay? Reviews, we love to see reviews about product service, et cetera. Number five, best. Think about how many times you've gone online and searched for best such and such. So cost, problems, comparisons, reviews, best. Those are the big five. Now, here's what's crazy about these things, Robin. As buyers, we have all gone to Google uh, a billion times and researched those five subjects. Yet, notwithstanding, for the most part, as businesses, we don't like to talk about those things. 90% of service-based businesses still don't talk about cost and price on their website, which is nuts considering every single person wants to understand cost and price better, what defines value, et cetera, et cetera, before they engage a company, yet most still don't do it. Most won't compare their product, their service 
honestly and transparently versus the competition. Whereas everybody still wants to know, and they're going to do that on their own. You may as well do that for them in an honest and transparent way. These five things drive the economy. You have businesses still like the ostrich with its head in the sand, ignore them. And that's holding us back from attaining the amount of trust that we could be attaining from our audience. The the price thing, I mean, I'm, I'm known as the pricing guy, actually. And the pricing, I always find re- a really interesting conversation because it is something which I think, one, a lot of people avoid talking about. The yeah. second thing is they think that if they put their prices on their website, it's potentially going to put people off because they're going to attract window shoppers. And uh, I had a really interesting case, actually, Marcus. I'd be interested to get your, your view on this. So I do a lot of work with medical aesthetics companies, say Botox and injectables and non-surgical mm-hmm. facelifts and things. Mm-hmm. And there was one of my clients who um, they kept on getting people coming from a competitor um, with like when it had gone wrong, basically. So um, they call it a reaction and they couldn't figure out why. And it was because both my client and their client had their prices, their own price list on their website. So what each of them were charging and people were naturally going to the cheaper one, but the cheaper one was the one that was kind of like a bit of a backstreet injector and they weren't doing a particularly good job. It wasn't terribly hygienic. And so then they went to the more like when the clients had the reactions, they then went to my client to get them resolved and fixed. And they were more expensive by a factor of about three or four times. What we discovered was that when my client actually put both sets of prices on their website, i.e. the comparison, so that at least people could make an an educated decision about, well, if it was going to be based on budget, go here, but watch out, or, you know, depending on what their requirements were. The following 12 months, they, they went from having 18 reactions come to them to only down to three reactions coming from the other clinic. And actually their sales went up massively. So that transparency does, like, I'm a massive fan of like transparent pricing. Yeah, and just to add to that really quick, if you ever want to build out an amazing... Because talking about cost and price on your product or service, on your website, I'm not saying just throw a number because that is counterproductive. Here's what's productive. A great cost price page to any website has five sections on it. First section, what drives the cost of that product or service up in your industry? What are the factors that drive it up? Second section, what are the factors that keep cost price down in your industry? Third section, Why are some companies more expensive? This is where you can really start to build value, by the way, if you're more expensive. Fourth, why are some companies so cheap? This is where you help distinguish why some are, to your point, just like your your customer there, why some are so cheap. And then five, where do you fall? Okay, so in other words, 80% of that page, by the way, it's probably more than a thousand words, probably more than a thousand words because it should be because this is an important subject you have to really explain and people will take the time to learn it. 80% of that page is about the industry. Only 20% is about you. This is what most companies do wrong. And that is, my friends, how you build value proposition. So in in summary there, what you're saying is most business owners are too busy talking about themselves. 100%. (laughs) Kind of, you know, and, and, you know, it's like walking into a, a networking event or a wedding and it's all about me and I, and this is what I sell and this is what I do. Whereas actually like people want to make educated decisions. And actually what that does is it builds up trust and reputation. Again, it's like a, a message through they ask you answer, which is kind of repeated over and over and over again. It's about, it's not about, um, you know, scrapping over trying to make the sale and just doing it for the money. It's actually about building, you know, trust and respect with your client base, even if they end up going to your competitors, because that's the best option for them. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you can't be afraid of these things because the golden rule says, would you want it? If you would want it, 
Well, then let's do it with our customers as well. That's what's going to lead to the most trust. And trust is the conversation we're having as sales leaders, as marketers. Trust is not going away. Trust is going to be as fundamental to your business in 20 years as it is today. So if you have a choice to earn more trust, and I really mean that, earn it, you got to earn it. Why would you not do it? And it's great that most of your competitors are not doing these things. That's beautiful. Don't ever say to yourself, well, how come nobody does it in my industry? That doesn't matter. What you should be saying to yourself is, my goodness, my customer wants this. Let's talk about it. 100%. Absolutely. There was something which I picked up just from what you're saying there, and I don't want to go too too down into the, the tactical, the nitty gritty stuff here, but you mentioned about a good article length, you know, uh, around something like pricing being sort of a thousand words. Yeah. Uh, for, for a lot of people, that's like writing that amount of content kind of probably sends shivers down their spine, sends them back to their days of university writing essays and things like that. But actually, in order to get the message across, you do have to get into the habit of writing good quality content that that contains all of the details. And if that's a thousand words, it's a thousand words, right? What's funny, Robin, is if a salesperson was sitting down with someone and that someone said, man, I'm looking at your contract price here and you guys are a lot more expensive. Can you help me understand why there's such a big delta here between your price and theirs? I guarantee you that person's about to riff a thousand words worth of stuff. Why do we wait to explain our value proposition once it's been questioned? By that point, you're probably going to lose the sale. The key is that you explain it before they ask you to justify it. That way, you are in control of the conversation. A thousand words is nothing, folks. I mean, nothing. It's easy to come up with 2,000 words about cost and price. Because remember, if you have those five sections, what drives it up? What keeps it down? Why are some companies so expensive? Why are some companies so cheap? And where do you fall? Boom. I mean, a thousand Push. You can get that easy if you're truly looking at all the factors. Because people said that to me before, Rob. They're like, man, that's a lot. I'm like, okay, let me ask you a couple questions here. Tell me about the factors that drive costs up. And they just start naming them and naming them and naming them. And I ask them further questions about each one of those factors. It's like, they spouted off in 20 minutes talking about cost and price. I'm like, 20 minutes? You know you average 100 words a minute talking, and you've been talking to me for 20 minutes. You've now hit 2,000 words. Yeah, it's that simple. It's that's. I tell you what, that's how I wrote both my books was to actually narrate it, and I worked out yeah, hundred words a minute. You know, that's get it. it yeah. You could just send out your phone, like your sales team with their phone, and just get them to hit record when they're out selling. That's probably one of the quickest ways to capture that that content because they're going to get asked those questions anyway. Hundred percent. Or you could go with them. You could read their emails. You could sit with them in those sales meetings, those virtual meetings, etc. And you'll never lack content ideation again. Absolutely. I mean, well, I th the, we've had the gold there, Marcus. We could probably end the interview now. I think we're done. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, though. Of course, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't be quite so, um, you know, we, we one of the things which like, how did you get into um, sort of content marketing in the first place? This is where I want to get dig into your story around the pool company. because My quick story. Started yeah. a swimming pool company out of university 2001 with two buddies. Things are going okay until the market crashes in 2008 right? 2008, 2009, we think we're going to lose the business. And I'm getting ready to file bankruptcy. And that's when I started to read about inbound marketing, content marketing, social media. And what I heard in my simple pool guy mind was, you know, Marcus, if you just obsess over your customers' questions and you're willing to address them on your website, 
through text, through video, you might save your business. So I said, shoot, that's one thing I can do is I can teach this stuff. I might not be a great pool installer, me personally, but I can certainly teach and talk about it. And so I brainstormed all the questions I'd gotten over the years from prospects and customers. And I started addressing them on our website. Make a long story short, we became the Wikipedia of fiberglass swimming pools and the most traffic swimming pool website in the world. And uh, because of that, uh, I started to teach others what I was doing. Like, man, this, this is working. And that, in, that led to me starting a marketing agency, which led to also having a full-time speaking career. And that's what I do today. I still own the swimming pool company. River Pools ended up becoming the, the fastest growing manufacturer, not just installer, but manufacturer of fiberglass pools in the US. Today, we have franchisees all over the country, little river pools everywhere, all because of a simple philosophy of They Ask You Answer. And I wrote a book about the whole thing. It's called They Ask You Answer. It's selling more today than when I wrote it four years ago. It's got a revised version. And the book is absolutely just fire across the world. It's really, really cool to watch. And, and the best thing as well is like the, the, the principles and they ask you answer it. Like, you know, they, they are simple principles that pretty much any business owner can apply. 100%. And any of us can sit down and, and, and write some content. It is not above anybody that. listening to this. Nobody here will read the ask you answer and say, there's no way I could do this. They're going to read it and say, what the heck? Why am I not doing this right now? That's what you're going to say if you read it. I had a really interesting um, uh, sort of uh, disagreement with somebody in a room on Clubhouse recently um, about content marketing. And um, we were all talking about different strategies and things like that. And I, I introduced them to the sort of, the, you know, thought processes behind sort of they ask you answer. And I kid you not, I went, oh, has anybody remembered this little app called Google? And somebody laughed at me and I was like, they, they, you know, 80, 90% of traffic when somebody is searching for something still goes through Google. You know, it's, a yeah. it's one of the first websites that people go to to actually search for information, which then leads them into YouTube, which is the second biggest search engine. It's owned by Google. And it's like, you know, so it's, it's still so relevant. You know, you can get a website online. The problem as is, Robin, it's not cool to talk about that. And that's the issue. If it's not super cool, not super sexy, then people are trying to come up with fancy stuff that sounds cool or sounds better. But the reality is we all pretty much for the most part, the majority of us learn about our purchasing decisions the same way. To your point, we're still for the majority of us using Google and a very high percentage of us are going to YouTube, we're watching videos about it, and then we're making our decisions. Do we use some social? Yes, absolutely. Does it work differently on occasions? Yes, absolutely. But that's still the horse. That's the lead horse. And so you probably should make the lead horse happy if you can, and you want to make the customer happy if you can as well. That's what's beautiful about they ask you answer. Oh, by the way, that's all the, that Google is. They're trying to answer your questions as best they possibly can. Well, and they, and they give you like clues as well. It's like with the little social snippets where it's got the questions at the top yeah. and you click on it and they expand out and you click on it and they expand out and things like that. And one of the other five pillars you mentioned about reviews as well, you know, Google review, you got, you can get Trustpilot and you can get Facebook reviews and all these different review platforms, but actually in, in, in on the Google website where people are actually going and searching for this stuff, if they find your website and next to it, it's got a hundred five-star reviews, it's a no-brainer. Which business do you think they're going to be drawn to first, irrespective right. of whether they buy or not, but they're going to go to your website. So it's taking care of like two out of your five core principles there just in one simple app. 100%. 100%. 
how did you um so in terms of the pool business river pools like what um how did you start that in the first place did you did you wake up you know as a teenager uh, uh nobody ever says i want to be a pool guy when i grow up i mean that you just don't hear that uh but i had just gotten out of university and my two buddies had started this business i was actually their first employee and i became a partner at six months and that's the thing you know i think we focus too much on the industry because it's funny to me when I became a pool guy, I went up, uh, a family member came up to me and he said, uh, or excuse me, she said, Marcus, uh, so I heard you're going to be a pool guy. I said, yeah. And this person said, what a waste, what a waste. And that always stuck with me. And of course I've had people around the world come up to me around the world, all over the world and say, you're that pool guy, right? You're that pool guy, right? I read about you. And the point is, I realized that it wasn't about pools for me. You don't have to be passionate about the industry per se. It's what you're doing within the industry. I'm passionate about growing stuff and watching it turn into something really magical. So I grew, in this case, a pool company. And then I've grown agency and I've grown other stuff. I like to grow stuff. And I like to communicate along the way. And I like to see the patterns along the way. It just happened that I was a pool guy at first. This whole idea about I would never work in that industry. Man, people that think like that, that is so myopic. It is naive. It is missing the mark. And let me tell you, when it comes to blue collar industries, there's so much money, so much opportunity to be made for those that don't think they're too good for blue collar jobs. It's it's really fascinating, actually. My guest, Marcus, that literally I recorded before this, um, uh, the, the previous episode, Brian, he he made his um, uh, his his blue collar business was mowing lawns. His dad one day said, "I'll stop playing on Nintendo. Our neighbor wants his lawn mown. Go and earn some money." And he he got twenty bucks for his first um, lawn that he mowed and grew that business to be ten million dollars. So, in, you know, plus a year and. It, today we've got it covered because we've got the landscaping, the pool, which the two go hand in hand together. Mm-hmm. And you're both incredibly successful, both incredibly like motivational people who other business owners will look up to and, and aspire to. And I hope that that family member has since looked back and said, well, congratulations, Marcus, I was wrong. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they have or haven't. And I don't care if they do because well, the path I have taken has been a glorious, beautiful path. And I just, I think it's important that we all remember that it's, it's not about the industry. It's about what you're doing within it. So as to satiate your gifts and your talents. And I clearly satiated mine and I wouldn't be a professional speaker today. I wouldn't have traveled the world today. Had I not started off as a pool guy everybody resonates with the pool guy story everybody's like ah pool guy can do it why can't i do it that's a beautiful thing yeah they don't listen to me and say my goodness he's such a high iq individual there's no way i can do that they're like if that guy right there can do this there's no reason why i can't do that myself that's a good thing 
And and I mean, I think it's obvious. I mean, like the energy which you carry. I mean, that that like how how do you keep that sort of going? What gets you up up in the morning and and sort of fire? It's not up caffeine. I could tell you that I don't do caffeine. I don't need caffeine. I mean, you know, people ask me, Marcus, why are you so excited about this stuff? Because I would have lost my home. My 16 employees would have lost their jobs in 2009 had I not embraced these simple philosophies that are available to anybody. And so to me, it's like we've got these opportunities. There's never been a better time to be a business owner than right stinking now because you can be a small player but a big fish man it's so fun and the internet is the great equalizer i don't care what type of budget some of these companies have to throw money at the tv and run ads they're not creative thinkers i'm creative i think like buyers and because of that i'm able to do things at a scale some of these massive multi-billion dollar companies can't do you couldn't do that 50 years ago. You couldn't do it 25 years ago when the internet just started, just started 25 years ago. We're still at the beginning, man. This is, this is exciting stuff and it changes lives. I live in a place of financial peace today, right? But, you know, for the first 30, what was it? Probably 34, 35, maybe almost years of my life, I never made more than $100,000 a year. And now I'm in a place of, of, financial peace and prosperity, all because of adhering to simple common sense principles where I started with what would I want as the buyer, as the customer, applied it to my business, then many businesses. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. I think one of the um, things which I've I've noticed is that people just want like something for nothing now. They want to do it super fast. And the internet, I think, has given us this false perception that you can kind of launch a business and lo and behold, make a million bucks in a year and, and everything's really easy. And the reality is actually, and, you know, to draw a comparison to Brian, my previous guest as well, there is an element of like the slow, steady approach, which means that you're laying really solid foundations for your business. And again, that's a principle which I took from They Ask, You Answer. It wasn't just about 10 articles that, you know, you just happen to be lucky with those 10 articles. You wrote and you wrote and you wrote, you wrote hundreds or something like 1200 articles in a year, didn't you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like I wrote one article a day. Um, actually, I did it at night. Um, after the kids and my wife had gone to bed, I sat there and typed at the kitchen table I did one a day every day for two years until we became the most traffic swimming website in the world. And I did that because I didn't have any other choice. I didn't have any other options. You know what I'm saying? And to your point, the quote that I always, and I've come to appreciate this so stinking much, um, is the idea of we oftentimes overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate in what we can do in 10. And what has happened to me in my life in the last 10 years is absolutely stunning. I'm 43 years old. And if you'd said to me at 33, you're going to have this, this, and this, and achieve this and this. By the time you're 43, I'd say, no way. No, seriously? No. 10 years, man. Everything can change. 
Yeah, absolutely f- f- uh, phenomenal. I, you know, I'm like I said at the start, I'm super inspired by your story and your journey, and I'm I'm so glad that you put it into a book called They Ask You Answer, which um, I always recommend every single client that I speak, person I speak to, all of my clients, I make sure that they get a copy as well when they join our program. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a brilliant book. Everybody should buy it. Um, so I didn't I haven't asked you about the agency side of things as well. So you obviously have the poor businesses still going. You set up the agency. How, tell tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've got an agency. It's called Impact, and we help companies uh, implement the Ask You Answer. Uh, that's the main thing that we do. Um, but what's great about this, if anybody's listening to this and wants to take a, fr- I've got a free two hour course on, on, at my agency site. That is the They Ask You Answer course. It's two hours, it's literally free. The only thing that you give is your like name and email address. So if you go to impactplus.com, you can get you can get that course for free, impactplus.com. And uh, just look for the They Ask You Answer course given by myself, yours truly. It's awesome. Oh, brilliant. Oh, we'll definitely um, share that in the show notes if that's okay, Marcus. And we'll see if we can um, yeah, please. get a few people on that. I didn't, I didn't even realize you had that free course in there. So I'm going to get my head of content, Jess, to go and sign up to that straight away. That's absolutely banging. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, awesome. We're coming towards, believe it or not already, the end of the interview, Marcus. Um, super inspiring. Um, uh, my final question, uh, which I kind of gave you a bit of an insight into, hopefully you've had a chance to mull it over. We're going to jump into the fearless business time machine. It's a bit like the DeLorean on Back to the Future, but I I think it's better uh, because there's more value which is going to come out of it hopefully but you get to punch the date into the time machine and we're going to go back to that date and you've got to um, give Marcus T minus X years a message so when is it and what message would you give him I think that I would probably go back to uh, I'm gonna throw a different one out here because I got a bunch I would go back to 2006 five years after I started my business and at the time, I still really wasn't thinking about the internet. What I was thinking about was, okay, what does success look like? Well, retail locations. And I got to the point where I had um, multiple retail locations where we sold hot tubs, uh, above ground swimming pools, in-ground swimming pools, tanning beds, pool tables, all this stuff, okay? And... Um, I had what I would call, in psychological terms, an edifice complex. In other words, I thought that having buildings that people could see were stores, okay, equated to me having a successful company. And my goals were around how many stores I wanted to have. And I realized those goals almost killed me and almost killed the business. And then I read a book that was um, good to great, which of course I know you've heard of Robin and most of your uh, audience has heard of. And in there, they talk about selling the mills. In other words, getting rid of that thing that's been your identity because it's holding you back. And what was holding me back was having these retail stores. And the moment we stopped doing that, we identified another uh, good to great uh, phrase here, our hedgehog concept and said, we want to be the best in the world at fiberglass pools. That, other than the ask you answer and embracing it, was the most important decision I've ever made as a business leader. I would go back in time, therefore, and I would say, Marcus, it ain't about the buildings that you have. It's not about these goals that you've written down. Not at all. 
It's about noticing what's happening in the world around you and being willing to pivot based on this rate of change and going with today's buyer and what they want and being the best at what you can be. What we could be the best at was fiberglass swimming pools. And we became the best. Absolutely. I normally, I normally finish on sort of a profound sort of bit of feedback about that, but like it, it's so powerful to, um, uh, to imagine you kind of sat there in 2006 and just kind of essentially kind of just burning your boats in a yes. way. Yes, very much so. Very much so. It was, it was such a, a, a catalytic event in my life. And it also detached me from caring what other people thought about my business because I really did things like, Oh yeah, look at me. I've got all these retail stores, but yet I was hemorrhaging money and I wasn't profitable. Whoop the freaking doodah. Right. And, and a lot of people do that. And, and I, since that time, I've never cared how people viewed my companies. I care about my p and I know what it's like. And I know that we're doing very well uh, by not doing it like everybody else is doing it and clearing our own path and making our own trail. And I would recommend that to anybody that's listening to this right now. Yeah. And there's plenty of business businesses out there, you know, that we all know like law firms and things like that, where the most common phrase you hear is, well, we do it that way because we've always done it that way. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way to do it. And I think that's a really powerful lesson to learn. And even if, you know, I remember with my agency days when everybody was kind of in that 2008 sort of financial crisis, when everybody was kind of um, raced to the bottom in terms of pricing and things like that. And we went the other way and 5X our prices. That was the thing which saved our business. And unfortunately, you know, there I was there telling all the other agency owners locally, you should be doing this. You should be putting your prices up. It's better for all of us if you do that. That's fearless, baby. I love it. hundred (laughs) percent. Oh, Marcus, this has been an absolute blast. Honestly, it's such a pleasure to be able to to have you on the show as a guest. I know that everybody's going to get a ton of value from this episode as well. And um, I I thank you for writing They Ask You Answer on behalf of all of my my clients and my crew around me as well, because they, um, I ram it down their throats and tell them they need to get out there and and, and read it and listen to it. So, uh, So thank you. But it's such a pleasure, honestly. My pleasure, brother. Listen, make sure you follow me, everybody, on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me, Marcus, at MarcusSheridan.com. Robin, you're awesome. Your audience is awesome. And I hope you have a great one, my friend. Thank you. And do go and check out that course, everybody. I didn't even know that existed. So uh, so I've learned something today. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll make sure we share, share all of the links into the show notes as well. Thanks, Marcus. Right.